We'll be reading tonight from Luke 1, verses 26 to 35. Luke 1, 26 to 35. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Thank you. We look this evening at this passage as Mary is... uh, Approached, and the angel uh, says to her, You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Congregation of Jesus Christ, I wanted just to begin by by highlighting for you just uh, the use of the word unique. The word unique. Meaning, what does it mean? It's often thrown around as, as, oh, a unique opportunity or unique this or unique that. But very specifically, if something is unique, it's, it's just one of a kind. It's, it's not unique along with other things. Uh, it's not unique when it's repeated by others. To be completely unique as the word intends is once to do and have and be something completely different from everything else, ever. Something that is absolutely unique. The proper use of the word could describe the birth of Jesus. That is a unique event. Nothing like it has ever happened before or since. That's what we believe. There are some difficult questions that come our way as individuals. As we go through life uh, as parents, uh, we face them. As pastors, we face them. I, I have in my Tuesday night youth class... We take opportunity, hey, Riley, just to see if anybody has a question before we get into our material for the evening. Last year, we had class, and one of the questions that came up was, where do babies come from? 
the person was trying to throw me off. So I hummed and hawed a little bit, and I talked about the stork and the cabbage patch. And then I said, go ask your father. Tough questions come up. But then we try to, try to move those questions, however they come up, into, into well... There is a very good thought in that, and that thought is, where did Jesus come from? Where do babies come from? Well, it's one thing. Where did Jesus come from? That's a very good question. That's also quite difficult to answer. The question does require an answer and an explanation, though, Because the Bible states, and we confess, that in contrast to the usual conception, Jesus' birth is unique. In the real sense of the word, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. In chapter 1 of Luke, verse 35, the angel tries to describe it says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the, whole, the, so the one to be born, the Holy One to be born, will be called the Son of God. That's a very different way of being conceived and of being born. And that we understand to be a sign. That actual thing that we confess, this very, very special conception of Jesus, is a sign of the uniqueness of his purpose in life and of his work that he came to do. Now, many people outside the church have great difficulty with this uh, teaching, this confession. Even some people in the church get a little upset and uncomfortable with it. Now, there are, there are various ways people try to explain what actually went on. And, and one of the initial things in our day is for people to ask about the scientific, biological, how did this happen anyway? Could it happen somehow? Could it be explained somehow, humanly speaking? And so you get people who give the answer that biologically there might have been some kind of spontaneous uh, dividing of the egg and that Mary found herself pregnant with a viable baby. All of that line of thinking and reasoning is, is not any basis in, in science at all. So that doesn't really get us anywhere, the biological. So then, then people think about the, the sociological reason. And there you have two options. The one option is that Mary, feeling somehow inadequate in herself, was actually unfaithful. Because we know where babies come from. And so there must have been another man involved, and though she says no, we know better. And so then the whole story gets pushed away. Or or you can go again, and people say, well, Joseph and Mary 
they actually accidentally got pregnant before marriage. And so, of course, they denied it and came up with this story. Somehow, God was working in their sinfulness. So, those two explanations, they, they are put forward as ways of humanly speaking, trying to explain what, what actually happened. And human weakness is at the core of that. And our understanding that, yeah, those things happen in this fallen world. There is a fourth option because the first three do not at all address the reality of what we are seeing and hearing in God's word. And that reality is a spiritual one. And we are talking about spiritual actions. We are talking about God at work as the God of this world. Those who look at these first three options most commonly don't see God at all. When you truly bring God into the picture and that you recognize a world that he made and a world that he cared for, though it fell into sin, you can express with real confidence a spiritual answer, a spiritual understanding. And so that the question gets answered in the integrity of God presenting it to us in his word and coming to us in his son. And that as we receive that truth, we have a richer, fuller understanding of what God came to do. So we want to take a hold of this truth again this evening in this Christmas season with confidence and joy. And as we do so, we learn about this unique birth. Nothing like it before. Nothing to compare it to. It is totally unique. And the Bible presents this event, this birth of Jesus, as the first thing, the first action that Jesus takes. So, so thinking about God's work, thinking about Jesus coming as a Savior, how could he have come among us? There are many, many options, but this is how he chose to come. To be conceived and born in this way to the Virgin Mary. And the point is, that already his life is, is a sign, is speaking to us about what he is coming to do. Therefore, it's absolutely appropriate that he comes born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you, as, as this passage of Scripture unfolds, it, it points us back to the place where the virgin birth is first mentioned. And that is in the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah 7. And in Isaiah 7, it says the, the birth, 
the virgin will be with child is the sign for King Ahaz. King Ahaz is the king of, uh, of God's people. And already in Isaiah 7, he is in trouble. He is an evil king. And Isaiah comes to him because he, he is in real trouble. The armies of the enemies are coming to attack him. And Isaiah comes to him to bring him a word of comfort, a word of hope. And, and Isaiah says to him in Isaiah 7, ask for a sign from God. And he says, I don't want a sign. The reason he doesn't want a sign is because he's given up on God and he's already asked the Assyrians to come and help. So he's not thinking about God, looking to God. He is not interested in God or in a sign from God. And in 2 Kings 16, we read that that he is sent to Assyria for help. He refuses God's help. He makes his own plans and tries to save himself. So, So... The virgin birth is initially a sign in Isaiah 7. And it's a sign that's rejected. Which which ties into Jesus' virgin birth, which is a sign which in our modern world is rejected. It's rejected by those who don't want God's help, who don't know who God is, who don't care about God. And so so the sign of Jesus' birth as a virgin birth, even as we confess it in our day, is an unwanted sign. So, So when we as Christians make it our confession, then we find that, that people who don't know God, people who are not, not part of the faith or, or very open to it, take hold of it and say, well, that's just ridiculous. And I've had people say to me too, in terms of, of the Christian faith, and you talk to them about the Christian faith, and you talk to them about the Bible, and you can, you can make a little bit of headway, and, and you can say to them too, the Bible is a significant book, and, and, and things in it have historical significance, and, and, and then they will come to something very quickly, like the virgin birth, and say, oh, stuff like that in there, that's, that's ridiculous. We don't believe that. It becomes an unwanted sign. And that can flow into a critique of God and the Bible and the church. And just like Ahaz, people deny the presence and power of God as expressed in his word and in Jesus Christ. Also, In the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, in the Christmas story itself, it's kind of an unwanted sign. It's it's coming here uh, as the story unfolds to Mary, the the beautiful story where the angel explains to her what's going to happen, but but then, then it becomes very difficult for Mary. Uh, an unmarried woman, all of 
all of the realities of public disgrace, of, of personal shame. She is, she is, is caught in, in, in a very difficult situation. It's not easy for her. And Joseph as well. He, troubled in his heart, uh, com comforted by God in a dream. But still for them, wouldn't it have been just better if God had waited, if Jesus had waited a couple of more months, not sure how it was exactly, but maybe Jesus could have just been their first child. Why didn't he just wait till they were married? And then he could still have been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And it would all have been a little better. But why all this trouble, all this hardship around his birth? Why does Jesus arrive this way? It's a sign. It's, it's a unique birth. It's, it's completely unique. Mary is absolutely, honestly, truthfully saying, too, she is a virgin. Joseph is absolutely, as it says in Matthew, a righteous man. And it is totally God at work doing a great, a new, a saving thing. So the uniqueness of the birth is, is what startles the whole world. They, they don't understand it because they've never seen it. They've never seen it like because there's nothing else like it. But it's meant because it is the one, the unique work of God's saving plan in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus' birth is a sign of his unique work. The work Jesus comes to do. It's not the cause of sin and shame. It's Jesus coming as our Savior to take away sin and shame. And so the point of the birth as a sign of God's unique work of salvation in a world of sinful and shameful things. You still might wonder, it still might be better just to downplay the doctrine a little bit. That we maybe shouldn't go on about it too much. Uh, some of the Christmas carols go on about it, and that seems to be accepted. But if you really get into the details and exactly how, it might be better not to mention it. Do you know out of the four Gospels? Only two mention it. Two don't. So maybe we don't really need to mention it as much. Mark and John don't say anything about Jesus' birth. It might be less offensive. It might just be better to leave it out. Well, that, that has never been the stand of the church. The Apostles' Creed, the oldest creed, has a number of lines in it. God the Father, Jesus, and it says, born of the Virgin Mary. It's right in there. And there was a lot of debate in the church to get what exactly is in there. And it took, it took 300 years later, they actually put the line, he descended into hell in there. And there's still some discussion about that. But the virgin birth is there. In the Nicene Creed, 
Absolutely. Here in the Catechism, definitely. In the Belgic Confession, clearly stated, our world belongs to God. The modern contemporary testimony, clearly in there. It is not anything that we are ashamed of. It's not anything that we need to mumble about or hesitate with at all, ever. If people are talking to you about the Bible, if you are talking to people about Jesus, you can say to them right out, right at the beginning, don't hide it. He was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to be uncertain or unsure about. Sure, it is completely different than anything anyone has ever experienced. His birth is unique, but He is the Son of God. He is our Savior. And so the application of the confession, even as we reflect on it this evening, is to confidently, joyfully, boldly continue to hold and declare this central truth, especially at, at Christmas. We don't need to be caught up in other arguments. We can celebrate the birth of Jesus with a clear and strong, a firm understanding that this birth is different from all other births. And at the one level, we don't understand it fully. We can't explain it Biologically, sociologically, we, we cannot. It's a miraculous work of God. Jesus is not just a good man. He is the Son of God who became human. And so Galatians 4.4, 4, God was born of a woman. God was born of a woman. How is that possible? That's what happened. 1 Timothy 3.16, the mystery of Jesus appearing in bodily form. Philippians 2 verse 5, Jesus emptied himself of his divinity and became fully human to save the human race. Lord's Day 14, question answer 35 summarizes this by saying, Jesus, the holy son of God, came to bring salvation. And in his birth, he brings together that, uh, that work of God as he comes as the son of his father, as true God. And then as he takes on the humanity of his mother, then he is fully human. And we see that in his life as he lives out his life. He does things only God can do. And yet, at the same time, he gets tired, he gets hungry, he has to rest, he has to walk from place to place. He is always presented fully God, fully human, which begins in his birth, which is what Lord's Day 14 declares. And as we go forward, we make that our declaration of who he is. And as we do that, we can go on to question answer 36, what he came to do. He came to take away our sin, to take our place. 
And so that reality, suffering on the cross for me, in his human nature, he is my substitute. But in his divine nature, as true God, he is able to bear my sin and your sin and the sin of the whole world. Because he is so big, so strong, as true God, he can do that. And as truly human, he can fully pay for my sin. So we have that truth lived out already in his birth. We confess the virgin birth of Jesus. We do not get sidetracked by those who try to make it a huge problem. We emphasize the spiritual truth that Jesus is making clear. The reality that Jesus is the sinless one who comes into this sinful world to redeem, to save. This is the message the world needs to hear. This is the gospel we need to proclaim. And at Christmas time is a beautiful time to make that a central focus. So instead of being difficult, it is in fact a very helpful and comforting doctrine. It's the perfect way for Jesus, our Savior, to enter the world. It's not a problem. It's a joy. And the fact that it gets people's attention is a good thing. It gives us opportunity to confess that we believe in Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born of the Virgin Mary. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that in your infinite wisdom, you, Lord Jesus, chose to come into this world in such a miraculous, unique, and marvelous way, which already in your birth highlights that you have come, the sinless one, into this world to be our Savior. Lord, may we never be ashamed of the truth of your birth. May we celebrate your birth with joy and thankfulness, with confidence that you are indeed the one true God, our Savior. Lord, continue to make yourself known, even as we celebrate at Christmas, that we would never lose sight of you at the center as our hope, as our confidence, as our joy. And may the world come to know that you are the Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. We would